This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, you're done with work. You've clocked out. Hopefully, you're not clocking out of this show anytime soon because we are mentally fully checked in on the end of August and the end of this Major League Baseball season. How are you doing? Doing good, LJ. Not going to lie, if I had to do another week of these late-night records, I actually think I, I would have died. Um, but going back to daytime works better for all of us. However, we're not going to let that get in our way. LJ, we, are, we have a lot, a lot to talk about tonight. So... Um, we're going to start with the Little League Classic, which you, I'm assuming, watched the whole game. Um, honestly, I, I could have cared less about the, about the game once it started. Um, for me, it's more about everything else around it because, yeah, Little League, Little League Classic tonight, the Red Sox take a loss to the Orioles 5-3. to three. Um, You know, bullpen just fell apart in the eighth inning but that's not anything out of the normal but really again this is just this is your yearly reminder this day today and tomorrow your yearly reminder of the fact that this little league classic is easily the best promotional tool that major league baseball has at their disposal you know you look at this and really what it comes down to is what I think I've been saying, and a lot of people have been saying for a very long time, which is baseball needs to be more personal. And, you know, you go into this game, you know, you have the whole, all the fanfare around the players coming that they've created. You know, I was watching the Iowa game around noon today as the Orioles plane arrived on the runway nearby, 
near Williamsport. And they've got the recording there and they've got a couple teams that got to go out and meet them right at the plane and get the high fives and autographs. And everyone was so excited. And then they bring them to the field. The Orioles got there first. And all of a sudden they're, they're out there running around just like all the other kids, you know, they become kids themselves for the day. They kind of get to kick back and enjoy the moment and really enjoy baseball again. Like it doesn't feel it does, for a second. It almost looks like they don't see this as a career. This isn't a uh, team PR outing. This isn't a community service project for them. This is genuine fun and getting to hang out with the next generation. I mean, you should see, I don't, I, I doubt it. Many of the videos are around, but the Orioles were flat out dangerous going down the hill today. Like we're talking, I forget who it was. One of them pushed the other guy off of his cardboard box to make sure he won the race down the hill. The same guy went down twice, both times almost got taken out by another child coming down behind him because he'd fallen off early. Um, But no, it's just, you know, it's that fun stuff that really drives home that these are people, it humanizes them to such a such an extent that I don't think any other there. Yeah, no, there is no other sport that has that type of opportunity for impact. Like the little league world series does bringing these kids into the spotlight and the little league classic does bringing these kids into the spotlight. Brandon, you might not have seen it this year, but those feelings and those interaction opportunities have been pretty universal since they started this event. Yeah, and when you're talking about a way to get young people watching baseball, specifically Major League Baseball, there's no better way than um, having something like this, especially when everyone knows, and I mean, everyone can admit that the MLB has a problem with the age of their viewership, that it's in it's, you know, fan base is getting older and they're having trouble attracting younger people to the game and uh, doing something like this just makes so much sense and um, you know I think this and the home run derby and all-star weekend in general are all really starting to um, promote the game to younger kids um, in a great light and I believe, LJ, there was also some, like, secondary broadcast on ESPN. Yes. Yeah, there was. We we checked into it, and it was it was pretty good. Um, what exactly was it? It was a kid's broadcast. And so okay. it was basically – it was a guy, two kids, I would guess 16 and 12, that okay. did the entire broadcast. And they were terrific. The only issue – if this was any other event, it would be perfect. Everyone would have gone crazy for it. The issue that they have is the fact that Little League World Series very well m- might be, you know, I'd have to really think about it. But if it's not the top broadcast team, it's definitely up there. Like consistently, that whole group, I mean, particularly Tim Kirchin just goes off. Carl Ravage does a lot of. Yeah. Little League World Series. And he's like one of the top baseball guys at ESPN. He's been there for over 20 years, I think, now at ESPN. Yeah, exactly. They pull out all the stops for that booth. I think it's probably my favorite active booth in all of sports is 
these two weeks with a Little League World Series, getting that group together, because every single year it feels like the chemistry gets better and better. Uh, those guys have better and better stories to tell during all of this. And it's just, it, it genuinely is just terrific content each time. So, you know, if it was, if it was a regional broadcast and they had a kid's option as well, I don't think I would, I would have watched the kids thing and gotten way more exciting about the kids thing. If the regular broadcast wasn't so good, but no. And then, you know, when we're talking about these things that are marketing and getting the real draws for baseball, you know, people are going to, I don't see world series coverage decreasing anytime soon, increasing anytime soon. Like, for the core four sports, they're not going to see much different difference in how many people are watching their finals unless they do something drastically stupid. I mean, the NBA has mired themselves in plenty of controversies over the last couple of years that have tanked their finals. But generally, everyone stays around the same spot. Past that, you look at, you're right, you look at the home run derby and you look at the Field of Dreams game. And particularly, let's compare the Little League Classic and the Field of Dreams game. I would say the potential is so much higher here just because the people you're getting to watch the Field of Dreams game aren't the non-baseball fans, aren't the non-locked-in people. The reason you get such high ratings is because every baseball fan wants to see it. You're not securing any new fans. Here you are showing these guys' personalities, which helps so much for people who might flip on the game. But more importantly, I think you have 200 little leaguers there that all get to interact with these guys and it's meaningful interactions. It isn't just standing in an autograph line. You're there with them. You're interacting with them. They're interacting with you. That makes fans for life. You know, it's one thing to play little league. It's one thing to play little league at this level. It's another thing to get those opportunities to meet your heroes. And you're never going to forget that. You're never going to forget that feeling. Um, but other than that, I, there was a couple other interesting parts of the, that whole process. Of course, you know, you always have to look at throughout the Little League World Series, who are the top favorite players? Um, so far, it looks to be uh, Otani, Judge, Endeavors, which I think has generally been interesting. You know, I'm not sure if this took into account anything that happened with Tatis over the past couple of weeks, whether they excluded or heavily discouraged him being in the favorite players, but I haven't seen his name dropped around, but I mean, obviously you've got Shohei who is Shohei Otani, you know, it it explains itself. Judge is the MVP front runner, but Devers is the Hispanic, uh, not Hispanic totem. What's the word I'm looking for? The figurehead for these Spanish speak from the Spanish speaking group. I wasn't entirely expecting him to lock up so much of that, such a large share of that area as he has. But the other thing that surprised me was in this literally classic coverage, the love that Adley Rutschman's getting. I mean, they had a lot of time because of a rain delay when the Orioles first got there. So they were churning through interviews. And honestly, um, Ryan Mountcastle, I believe it was Ryan Mountcastle, uh, was on absolutely terrific personality but Adley Rutschman too you know really stole commanded attention commanded the booth when he was in there but more importantly got a lot of love from the little leaguers and you know that's even in comparison to the rest of his teammates so 
that's kind of going to show again, not only does he have the personality to be a star in this league, I think, but his play on the field is already commanding attention from wide audiences. And LJ, I don't, I saw something on Twitter the other day. And if you compare Julio Rodriguez to Adley Rutschman for that AL rookie of the year, it's almost inseparable. Um, They are so close in terms of war, weighted runs created plus, all that stuff is literally so close. Um, And I can't wait to see who ends up getting that AL rookie of the year because honestly, I wish that they could give it to both guys because they both been playing um, outstanding um, at such young ages, especially Rodriguez. Who would you give it to if you had to? You get all of the votes. Um, I think Adley Rutschman. Really? I think that the defense as a catcher, like what he's been doing defensively, is he's actually like one of the most searched players on fan graphs right now um 3.3 war for him versus rodriguez i actually don't even know what this is so i'm interested uh, 3.3 war it's 4.3 war for julio i see 3.3 for julio on fan graphs oh i'm sorry i'm on reference since 4.2 okay so they both have the same fan graphs war um yeah, I don't know. It's so close, and it's going to come down to really, you know, if if it's counting stats, it's Julio Rodriguez. But when you look at war, which is pretty re- reliant on counting stats, um, it's basically tied. And Bill James, the guy that created war, has said that Basically, anything within one war of another player is the same. Like, there's not much difference, and you shouldn't be looking into the decimal so much in that that first number is is what's most important. Yeah, and, you know, you're right, though. The moral of the story is it's way too tough to call right now. Way too tough. If I had to, I guess I'm going with Julio, and I don't love it but you kind of have to take it i mean first off the stolen base numbers are disgusting right now (laughs) but let's look away from war these are both comparable hitters in almost every measure of the word granted adley rutschman's putting up this production in less time but he's also had less games in which he could make an impact on his team the thing that makes both these guys special is if it were a different year in different situations. It would, I think it would be a lot easier to call because the thing I look to is team performance. You know, who's helping elevate their team to another level that this team wouldn't be able to get to before. And the answer is both of them on equal levels, because as far as I'm concerned, you know, without Julio Rodriguez as a spark plug, the Mariners aren't the, this Mariners team. They aren't 66 and 56, regardless of how many wins above replacement he has. 
his impact out there and overall the energy he's brought to that team, you know, you could, you could see it when he wasn't there. You could see the difference when he had, when he missed that time. And the same thing with Adley Rutschman is when he came up, that was such a turning point for this team. And he's taking command of this team. He's taken that respect almost immediately since he's come up. So, you know, these are both guys who have had major impacts in terms of elevating the level of play of both of their teams into a situation where they're both fringe playoff teams right now. Like that's something special. Most of the time you're going to see a guy, one of these guys isn't going to be as big a factor for their team as they are. These are both top of the order guys for their clubs and making the most out of it. It's just so special. I mean, I guess that's why I have to go to games played, you know, and I don't want to go there long-term Adley Rushman is going to probably provide way more value for his team than Julio Rodriguez ever could dream of. Probably is the better player, but when you're talking about the best rookie performance, Julio Rodriguez has been able to impact more games. So LJ, if you are a GM and on your fictional team and both the Orioles and Mariners say, Hey, you can take Adley Rutschman or Julio Rodriguez. Who are you taking for the next 10, 15 years? Um, you can sign them to a lifetime extension. They're yours. Right. Yeah, this becomes even tougher now because two things. First off, I, my immediate thought was, I'm going Adley and it's not close because you're not going to find his, what he's capable of production wise. You're not going to find that anywhere close with any other catcher. Like you're able to lock him in for the next 15, however many years as you're starting catcher. And he's probably going to be an all-star for the vast majority of that. Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh, cosmic, crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. That's something special you're not going to get, and I think you can probably find a center fielder that's going to be able to give you good value much easier than you are a catcher. But to play devil's advocate and bring Julio into this conversation, you know, age has to be a factor here. There is three years between these two guys and the lifespan of catchers because of the nature of the position and the physical demands is much shorter, whether he's able to play or whether he's able to catch for his entire career we really don't know. He might have to end up moving into a DH first base role later on down the line, depending on how his body takes the punishment of a 10 major league seasons behind the plate. Meanwhile, Julio Rodriguez is probably going to be able to play center field much longer 
in terms of total seasons from now than Adley Rutschman can. So that's kind of where I'm at. I guess I still go Adley, Mm. but that's very much at play. Like three years in that situation is big because not only do you get three years in total time with Julio, but we're probably taking at least three years off of Adley Rutschman's career just in the fact that he's a catcher. So that turns into six. Well, let's move on to our second topic of the night. Um, we got it so off topic there. We went from the Little League Classic to debating over Julio Rodriguez versus Adley Rutschman. I don't um, regret it for a second, though. No, absolutely not. Um, all right. So, LJ, talk me through this this uh, Padres thing here. What? Because I didn't really what what exactly is going on with Tatis and his parents? Like, what's up? All right. Well, for starters, yeah, let's touch on the parents part because it's not related to the rest of the story at all. But it's uh, possibly the dumbest thing ever because they keep digging a farther and farther hole for their son. So you remember his mom coming out and trying to show that picture of what was supposed to be the ringworm and prove that it was. First off, that's not entirely what the, like, if if he was using that substance to get rid of the ringworm, that was a very loose term. Like, that was a very loose decision. Like, nine out of 10 doctors are not recommending, are not ever sniffing that substance in any country for ringworm like there's way better things to be putting in there but then you have uh tati senior coming through and i can't find it yet um who is now claiming that his son contracted a fungus during a haircut and used a spray to treat it and that's what contained the steroid this hair fungus spray had the steroid in it you know okay but but this the drug used to treat ringworm is not what he tested positive for well all right it is spelled differently it is a completely different drug well you know exactly my point my point is if he used a drug this drug to try to prevent to get rid of ringworm he was using the wrong drug yes like it's generally close he used the ped to get rid of ringworm, as much as it uses similar side effects, it's not. It's not. It's correct. not going to get rid of ringworm. No, it's me. not. Just because he saw that there was a drug that was really closely spelled to the one that he tested positive for, and he's like, "Oh, I could spin this until I just have ringworm." No, close to ball is close to ball is a part of a skin irritant whatever you want to call it cream no i know but he still lied yes he did lie and then his father that's what i'm trying my point here is his father is now practically tripling down on it by giving another alternative story like you now have like three different stories from three different members of his family none of which that line up in the slightest and it just continues to make him look bad but anyway uh, Bob Nightingale today of the USA Today, um, and that was too many today's there, wasn't it? Reports that the Padres are still, quote, remain absolutely livid 
with Tatis, even though he's, of course, you know, started his apology tour. He, his bobblehead night has been canceled. He's been taken out of all of their uh, promotional stuff upcoming. You know, they've gone, this has gone bad with them. And more interestingly, too, it's reflecting on his teammates, too. You know, a, a couple of them certainly have been like, I believe, let me try to pull this up again if I can find it. Um, Joe Musgrove says here about him, com- about Fernando Tatis coming to apologize, quote, it's very important. Everyone has got different feelings in here on the whole situation. Most of us have moved on. We've put it behind us. We don't want to think about him more than we have to, but this is good. We deserve to hear from him and hear the truth out, out of his mouth, which, you know, there's clearly some resentment here for the guy that was supposed to be the catalyst for this whole team disappearing when they need him most. And there's naturally going to be like, there's understandable resentment. That was probably the friendliest of these. Here's Mike Clevenger. It's the second time we've been disappointed with him. You hope he grows up and learns from this and learns that it's about more than just him right now. Uh, Joe Musgrove, he's a young kid. He's going to learn his lessons or whatnot. But ultimately, I think you got to start showing a little bit more remorse and you got to start showing us that you're committed to it and you want to be here. This is starting to create significant issues with a guy who already, you know, I was already starting to think should we question whether he is creating issues, whether he is an issue in the clubhouse last year is now doubling down on this with these immature acts that, you know, have real consequences. And I don't think he's quite accurately grasped that and might not grasp that for another five, six years. If he doesn't grasp that, then, then at what point does, at what point does this significantly affect the clubhouse chemistry once he's back. There's definitely going to be real trust issues. Yeah, there's going to be real trust issues. Um, But I will say, baseball is the one sport where you can have a guy that is just a total asshole on your team. And you can still be really good because yes team chemistry matters don't get me wrong but when you're talking about a guy in Fernando Tatis that is in a over 162 game span would be putting up eight war I don't care if the team chemistry is god awful eight war is helping the team win games and the fact is, is that when this guy is healthy, he's one of the one of the best hitters in the league. And it's he made a really, really dumb mistake by taking PEDs. He's not helping his case whatsoever. And he should, I mean, definitely feel ashamed of himself with the way that he's handled this. But at the end of the day, he's going to come back from his suspension. What are the Padres going to trade him? They're going to trade that contract? No. It's not going to happen. He, you have so much security at this point. 
that if you're him, it's like, all right, yeah, you're 23 years old. You have the whole rest of your time in San Diego to make it back up to them, right? So if anything, use this and be like, okay, I really screwed up, but I'm so fortunate to have this contract in place that I have all this time to make it back up to them. And by the end of my career, I can still be cherished as, um, you know, a legend of this franchise, right? Yes, I 100% agree with you. This isn't, there is no situation here unless he takes them again in the next year. Um, There's no situation where I think he, his career is over. His career is ruined. That's not something I think is at play here. What I'm trying to say is I'm worried about how long that's going to take and what type of adverse effects that's going to have on him. Because we haven't seen the way you're talking is as a very mature 20 year old. You're talking in a very logical manner here. That hasn't been something that Tatis has necessarily proven he's ready for. Eventually, he will be there. And eventually, he's going to be able to make that up to them. You're right. You know, you've got, what is it, 14 years left with the Padres? At this point, 10 years left with the Padres. Um, You've got plenty of time to get into that situation. But your winning window is now. And I think we haven't seen anything to prove either way whether he is the type of guy who can make things worse because as much as you you can still put up eight war a season and make things worse there have been plenty of guys yes there have been plenty of assholes that have won and done quite well but there's for everyone that has been that way there's been one that hasn't and if he's like that that's a big issue but if he's not like that i still can, can very much see a world where you know the fallout from this and the ramifications for him are going to still be felt for a couple of years here because his actions so far have led to a, I can easily see how they've led to a lot of lost respect among his teammates. Respect that when you have all these things piled one on top of each other are going to take a lot more, a lot longer than he probably has ever realized or thought of to correct. Well, enough on Tatis, and let's talk about Josh Hader. Um, yeah, what what the hell is going on? Um, he's they came out and said he's not going to be getting save opportunities necessarily um, anymore for the net for next few weeks or few games, whatever. Um, I mean, the way he blew that game, was it two nights ago? Uh, It would have to to be at least three nights ago, I feel like. When I'm backtracking. Threw the ball into right field. Um, I mean, you can't make that up. Like, I just, you gave up so much. And I was first to say that I thought the Padres got fleeced in that deal. But, oh, no, they're adding this this amazing closer. And, look, I love Josh Hader. I think that um, what he's done over the last few years has been an incredible stretch of dominance. However, um, 
it's no coincidence that since he's been traded to the Padres, he's been pitching poorly. And um, I think, you know, towards the end of his Brewers tenure, he was starting to pitch poorly as well. I remember that game against the Giants where he gave up three homers. Um, LJ, right now, negative 0.6 war, according to baseball reference. And this is the guy that leads the MLB in saves. It just goes to show you how the save can really be misleading at times. Well, I think what the save is showing you here is that this guy still is good because you don't get those that many saves without being a good closer, without being able to step up in those situations. With that being said, you can also have stretches like this where you completely implode. If anything, it's showing that he's capable of the good times. And that's exactly the mentality that leads you into this closer by committee situation where Garcia and Martinez have gotten the saves the last two nights where they've both won two to one, both games. But really what I see here is this, you know, obviously I wholeheartedly agree. I've been very outspoken about how little I like this trade deadline for the San Diego Padres. I, I can't stand it. But at the end of the day, you have to find the positives here. This team is 100% locked into Josh Hader for the foreseeable future. You can't give up that much and then not keep him around. They're not letting him walk at this point. You're, you're going to continue to invest in him. And what you got to say is, all right, we need to make sure this guy gets comfortable and this guy gets right because we know this guy has the stuff. I refuse to believe that Josh Hader's career as a top, the top closer in the league is done. Certainly at at minimum, he's going to be top three for the next, for, for the foreseeable future, but he has to get back mentally, right? He has to get comfortable in San Diego and then the success will start coming again. This is what this is, is both short-term investing in wins long-term investing in Josh Hader, because as long as you handle this transition and you handle fixing him properly, he, he will be worth every single penny that you give him. Like undoubtedly you've lost this trade. You've hurt yourself when you talk about the value of players sent over. But when we're talking about the pure dollar values that they're going to give him, as long as they handle him right, right now, he is going to be worth every single penny that they have to give him going forward. All right. Well, let's move on to our next topic. Um, so we talked about Marcelo Zuna getting arrested um, the other day. However, this dude is literally playing in games again. Like the Braves didn't. I know they that it's still a big contract, but he's just allowed to just come back and play. It, I, I I didn't know that that's how it worked. I mean, well, I mean, with cool. that type of stuff, the whole court situation is still very much like in the process. No, I thought he 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 posted bail. That's it. Right? Like he 
got charged, got booked, posted his bail, and now he's he's back to playing baseball. No, there's more. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Never mind. That's that's unimportant to the whole story. No, Either way, like like, I it's a big contract that the Braves still have. I understand that, but you know, I know teams don't often give suspensions to their players. However, with the way that Marcelo Zuna has been playing this year, honestly, um, they might as well just suspend him. Um, I don't even no, know if they're should, allowed. You should to suspend that. him, cut him something. All I know is, I think tonight has proven he can't keep playing much longer for the Braves, because the more that you play him, the less, the worse the situation is going to become with the fans because he has lost all respect. I mean, Brandon, I'm not sure if you you saw how bad he got booed today, but it was almost a full stadium's worth at truest of people showing their disapproval for him. And I have not seen it yet, but I know the uh, footage of the arrest has been put out. And from what I heard, it's, it's, it's not good. It's um, yeah, it's not good. I saw it. It's, it's not good. LJ, look, the two at bats he had today, 0 for two with two strikeouts. Look, you need to have, high character people in the game these games these are the people these players are what all the young kids in atlanta honestly atlanta's a even bigger deal because it's the same thing as boston and new york where it's not just the entire city of atlanta that people are looking up to you it's not the entire state of georgia that people are looking up to you it's the entirety of the Southeast. I refuse to believe that the Rays and Marlins have any control over that market still. Especially you know, when the Braves are a team that has a legitimate chance to, to win back-to-back World Series. Like, it's not even like, it's like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, it'd be nice. Like, no, they have a legit chance to go back-to-back. No question. And it, it's just, this is just more, it's adding more issues for them, if anything. It's adding more obstacles for this team to get over because you've, you know, you're adding so much drama. You're, you're clearly seeing the fan base does not support this move, keeping him around. This is a guy who's lost. He's lost the fan base. He's lost that respect. And if 
he's lost the fan base so thoroughly. I question how much pull he has in the locker room, like in the clubhouse, how much, how much is that really a factoring into him staying around? I would be more than willing to bet it's not that big a fraction that are desperately saying like, Hey, this guy's our leader. He stays no matter what. That just doesn't seem like it's the case, especially when this is a guy who wasn't around the team for the majority of last season. He wasn't around the team for the majority of that world series run. So there's no way he provides that the value there either. I just, you got to cut, cut ties soon. But it's like, you still have to pay this dude for 2023 and 2024. It's 18 million. It's unfortunate. Do you just do the same thing that, that the Mets did with Robinson uh, Cano and just release him? Cause you, you can't. Uh, I mean, he has no options. He's um, he's gonna refuse assignment to the minor leagues. Um, Look, let, let me just hit you with the your, fact. Your only option is to is to cut him. Not necessarily. He's not gonna go to the minors. Like like it or not, you know. Negative one point. Let's let's talk about the non-option. The non-option is having him on the roster anymore, because from a baseball standpoint alone, this guy's got negative one and a half reference for war this year. You know he's clearly being a detriment, continuing to be in this lineup. And long term, they're probably a better team offensively without him being around. And so, by replacing him with someone else, anyone else at this point they're gaining gaining the value and then you take also take away the massive distraction that he's turning into and will continue to be in every single time he suits up for the Braves at home if you don't have the support of the home fan base it's going to be turned into more and more of a thing and more and more of a distraction so he's going to like that negative one and a half war is really more close to two three two and a half three as far as I'm concerned when you take away, when you add in those, excuse me, add in those outside factors, that's really probably more what it equates to. What they will most likely do, they could cut him and eat the entire contract. Or, you know, we've seen guys be in much worse situations and still find a home somewhere in Major League Baseball. So, you know, I think the most logical situation is if you're the Braves, you suspend him and you gamble on the fact that somebody is going to be willing to take him over the offseason. You suspend him for the rest of the season so you don't have to worry about him being on the field or with the team. And then you try to find a suitor this winter. If that suitor does not come along, then you cut him. But worst case scenario at this point, you know, you've already paid more than half of this year. So that's how many a year did you say it was? It's like 18 mil. Yeah, so you've probably got what? five million left to pay him at max maybe four million so i'm willing to gamble so it's like a total million. of 40 million for the for the rest of this year and the next in the next two years it's like 40 million dollars okay but i'm willing to gamble the first four if there's a chance that i can lose the 36 or i can lose part of the 36 that's worth it to me yeah oh yeah 
So that's well, probably the most logical way for them to go, but cutting them, cutting them works just as well and it just makes it the process cleaner. LJ, did you see what Brave made um, a rehab start in AAA? Would it be Mr. Soroka? Mr. Soroka um, hasn't pitched since 2020. Um, but LJ, imagine they get him back and healthy for the postseason. Just another arm to have out there. Oh, boy. Um, now. All right, never mind. Never mind. Um, well, I was going to say, like, are we really bringing this into another six, like the fifth six man rotation in the league this year? I feel like there's an obscene amount of long rotation. No, that's, that's, that's the year. way to win this year. I think is honestly it's the six man rotation as boring as it is. The six man rotation has worked wonders for every team that's used it right now. The Dodgers are using a six man rotation the Astros used the six-man rotation for a while. When Soroka comes back, the Braves could easily use it. The Yankees were using it for a little bit. And once Luis Severino comes back, um, I'd have to imagine they will go to it. Um, yeah, it's and, go ahead, it's the meta, if, you, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> it's, it's what people are doing. It, it's working. Yeah, of course. Your other option here is to just ditch Kirby Yates as soon as he, as soon as Soroka's ready, because no, I no, don't see that working not. out. I just uh, don't see them. Kirby, uh, LJ Kirby Yates, look, it, he hadn't pinched pitched since 2020, and that was only four innings. But before that, when he was actually healthy, he put up one of the best reliever seasons in recent in like recent history. Oh, I know, I know, but at the same time, so he's not. He's only three years removed from that, and he's only three years. Three years is a lot in baseball. LJ, it's only three years. A bunch of injuries, a bunch of rehab, all of that to to fight your way back. LJ, well, from the time that he left the Padres in 2019, <laughs> their change between when or because he pitched in 2020, just that whole ride for the Padres over those few years has been insane. Um, but yeah, you are probably right. Uh, Kirby well, Yates, but his contract. Only the known is safe, but, but yeah, I, actually in terms of roster spot, he's still going to have to go, but you're just not going to move Jake Odorizzi to the bullpen. But what this does here effectively, I mean, Jake Odorizzi has no future on a playoff roster. Let's, let's be very real on that. However, the benefit here is you, you bring in Soroka, you make this a six-man rotation. All of a sudden, you've got Max Fried, who's got 145 innings on him already. He's going to get a little more rest down the end of the year when you're already clearly, you know, I don't think adding an extra guy to this rotation is going to make you any tighter into the playoff race. You know, you're still going to be, you're going to make the, this team's going to make the playoffs no matter. They're locked in. Whether they have five guys. Or host. And they're going to host a wild card series. They're locked yeah. in. That's not even close. Yeah. So exactly my point. I just think, you know, whether you have five or six, that's not an issue. But Max Free gets more rest going down the end of the time. 
you know, a big thing we've been seeing lately is these teams not wanting to see, wanting to put a ton of innings on young arms. You know, they're trying to stretch these guys out into their careers, not just into being seven, being able to go seven innings, stretching these guys out over their careers. Look at what they did with George Kirby this year, sending him down in um, Seattle. They sent him down right before the all-star break, basically took two or three starts away from him just to kind of curb the, uh, (laughs) curb Kirby's innings pitched this year and just make sure it's not. Pun definitely not intended there. Honestly, I, I amaze myself sometimes, but you know, that's kind of becoming the trend where you don't want your young guys to pitch too, too many innings. So that all of a sudden, allows a little bit of a rest for Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider, which definitely becomes a plus for the, for this team based on the new, if we're talking about the metas, that's definitely part of the modern pitching flaw or pitching development philosophy is less innings is better. So that's a big plus. And Charlie Morton definitely deserves like that is a guy who screams. I could use the extra day off at his, at his age, you know, you're talking about the guy who's flirting with 39 years old right now and still putting up good numbers. Adding that extra day of rest is certainly going to help his case as well. So, and Mike Soroka is not going to be perfectly stretched out to start the year either, start this section of the year either. So there is not a single person who does not significantly benefit from this. You go to other teams, there's guys that just, you know, I, I think are unaffected by it. Like you go to the Dodgers and you know, a Walker Bueller is not going to be affected by it. I don't think um, Tyler Anderson or Andrew Heaney or any of these guys is necessarily helped that much by the six-man rotation, but practically every person who matters, so five out of the six guys in this six-man rotation for the Braves would be significantly helped by going to a six-man. LJ, let me just say that um, with Charlie Morton having a club option after this year and Jake Odorizzi having a player option, which I would have to assume he would opt into because it's $8 million or $8.5 million, our guy Ian Anderson is really the odd man out, um, especially when you add Soroka back into this rotation. It's... But again, we'll see because, so again... You would injuries, be the seventh starter. Yeah, but not only do injuries happen, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them make more moves. I mean, this... Alex Anthopoulos is at his heart a tinkerer. And we've seen that over the last yeah. couple of years. So, would I be surprised? I feel like Jake Odorizzi is the ultimate um, desperation pick for just about everyone. You He's know? only 32? Yeah. How? Um, he's been pitching for 25 years, but you know, you know, you see my, my point here. I mean, they're obviously, I, I think they will still continue to trust the Morton's pitcher man, but Jacob to this is a guy who only got this good a player friendly deal because the Astros were desperate for pitching at the time that he signed it. And he only ended up with the Braves because at the time they felt like they desperately needed the extra depth because they weren't a hundred percent sure what was going on with a couple of their starters here. 
and they had Ian Anderson who was struggling. So, you know, going into next year, he's not going to look like he's necessarily, he's as necessary either. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get shipped out to a team that's also, that's once again, desperate. The Astros, the Braves were also desperately trying to offload Will Smith, I think as well. Well, they successfully did that and got Rysel Iglesias in the process. So I'd say that was a success. Um, Great success. All right. Up next, we wanted to, I want to touch on just a few stories quick from some other games today. The Mets came back and beat the Phillies. They scored three runs in the top of the ninth. Thanks to a Mark Canna homer. That was his second of the game and a Brandon Nimmo homer. Uh, David Robertson uh, blows the save. It's a game in August that happens. Edwin Diaz comes in for the Mets. Um, he actually almost blows a save. First time we've seen him even like allow a run. It seems like in a while. Um, but Mets win 10-9 in a crazy one. Four-hour and 26-minute game with a 46-minute delay in there as well. Um, yeah, if you watch that, you spent literally all day watching it. But um, With that being said, the, the Mets yep. managed to pull out another series victory against another really good team. I don't even care about the lost game. So, so you're so every week on the power ranking show, I have to hear you get mad at me for ranking the Phillies so high. And now, all of a sudden, since you're a Mets fan, oh, the Phillies are a good team. I never saw, look, all right, I see where you're coming from, Brandon. I hear you. I'm not going to ignore the like as much as I, I as much as I don't believe in them. I do not believe in their World Series hopes in any way, shape, or form. This train is not one I am boarding. I wouldn't even check the ticket price. With that being said, you can't, I cannot deny the fact that they are, are in the playoff picture, and they are currently a playoff team, and that deserve, commands some form of respect. Sure, yeah. I guess if you currently are a playoff team, you, you certainly are a good baseball team. Um, yes. Okay, fair enough. Brandon, the Yankees won a game. Time. The Yankees did win a game. Um, not much to talk about. We retired Paul O'Neill's number. Um, Nestor Cortez shoved. Lou Trevino shoved. Um, you know, we'll take four runs. It'd be nice if the offense could like actually do something soon, but uh Ben Intendi Homer, his first as a Yankee. He had does that put his weighted runs created plus above Joey Gallo? Uh, you know, I don't know, but I do know that we the Yankees had 10 total bases today, and Ben Intendi had six of them. Um if that's not sad, but I'm not yeah. I, I'm not trying to kick a man 
while he's down, except I kind of am trying to kick him in while he's down. Joey Gallo. No, we're going to get to Joey Gallo in a minute. Don't worry. Um, no, I'm going to bring up something else because I think this is the most important. Oh, Andrew Benintendi well. clears Joey Gallo's way to runs created plus. I think you're thinking of IKF. Um, no, I think I'm looking at OPS because as of. Wade runs created plus Benintendi's at 119. There's no, no, no way. As a Yankee, him. as a Yankee, you don't look at the split. Okay, as a Yankee, because yeah, his sample size of 10 games will be real good for his this. 22 game sample size. He's almost at 100 plate appearances. What? Where did the summer go? LJ? <laughs> Why can't I pull up? Wait, he's got a 75, he now has a 75 OPS plus, which is better than I thought it was last time I checked it. Joey Gallo as a Yankee was an 85. You want to hear another stat um, that I texted my friend the other day? What? Um, the Yankees have had more of a chance of getting less than five hits in a game this season, 16.7% of the time, than Joey Gallo getting a hit in an at-bat in a Yankee uniform at 15.9%. And Andrew Benintendi is currently performing worse than that. The Yankees also were shut out 19 times from 2021 until now. And from 2017 through 2020, they were only shut out 11 times. Um, the offensive philosophy has gone down the drain, as always. But enough and, with the uh, no, 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 no. I didn't even get to make my point. No more Yankees. No, 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 no. You don't get to cut this off here because I've been waiting like three days to find time to bring this up. Oh, because of a, a very important revelation, Brandon. You can you complain constantly about how much that the Yankees have given up trying to find this this uh, answer in left field. You know, you give up all those prospects for Joey Gallo. Then you have to give up more prospects, effectively give up more prospects to replace Joey Gallo exactly a year later. You know who would have cost much less, both in terms of prospect value and contract dollars to play left field for the last not one but two seasons full-time? If you say Brett Gardner. I'm going to say Brett Gardner. He, no, I Why? no. No. Why do you LJ, hate Brett Gardner? How do you hate Brett Gardner? I do not hate Brett Gardner. I'm a Red Sox fan, and I don't even hate Brett Gardner. LJ. I respect this man's commitment to the Yankees and his commitment to always being there to step up and be his 2021. Solid. His 2021 showed that that it's over. It's over. His 2021 with a 90 OPS plus. Yeah, yeah. That that that's over. One war from your starting left fielder, I'm okay. That's better than what you've gotten from the rest of them. And it will be okay, a fraction of the cost. Yeah, and you okay, know you're going to get that. It made no Coming into the season, it made zero sense. I disagree because you he he finds a way to be of no one thought value to this team. was going to be as bad as he was. Like everyone was like, all right he's had the off season to get better and like change his hitting philosophy. Um, so no, it's not, no, but you had the, you had the rationale and you had the logic based on every other Yankee season that's preceded this, that you were going to le- lose 
for significant time at least two of your outfielders, and you're going to need somebody. But that's just that's the way the Yankees worked in the past. You should have thought about it ahead of time. No, you can't just. I think we could have assumed it at that point, and all of a sudden, look where we would be right now. I don't know why you hate Brett Gardner, but he would have been the answer here. Now the Yankees watch left field be cursed. So we can hit him. So 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 we can hit him in like a great spot in the in the lineup in the playoffs again. I'm okay. That's not his. How is that his fault? It's not his. Don't blame him for Boone's incompetency. What? No. No more Yankees. I need to talk about Joey Gallo. If you just set set him up there, let him go up to Williamsport North in the Bronx, and he'll just rake. That's that's how Brett Gardner works. That's how Gardy goes yardy. Well, today Joey Gallo was raking for the Dodgers. He had a triple off of Sandy Alcantara, who, um, and it would have been a homer in seven of 30 MLB stadiums. I, so it was like 104 off the bat. Um, and that was quite the microcosm of what was to come as the Dodgers just absolutely destroy Sandy Alcantara and the Marlins pitching staff today. Alcantara doesn't even get out of the fourth inning Three and two-thirds, ten hits, six earned runs, five strikeouts, one walk, and a homer allowed for what will be your NL Cy Young Award winner. Um, yeah, this is his first – LJ, is this his first blow-up start of the season? Um, Let me fact-check that. You can continue. And... A blow-up start is – Five or more runs, right? No, four or more runs. Okay. Well, he's done that before. One, anyway. two, three, four. That's his fourth. For a guy that almost always makes it to like the sixth or seventh inning to not even get out of the fourth inning is quite shocking. Um, and the Dodgers really hit him around today. Um this lineup is just so good. It's just so good. I mean, Brennan, he has not. He, this is now the third time this season, or excuse me, the fourth time this season, he hasn't made it through the sixth inning. I mean, every single That's player, out of a the, lot of starts, every single starter on the Dodgers had a hit today. And five of them had RBIs. I mean, just top to bottom, the the team is really good. And they left 10 guys on base. They were 7 for 18 with runners in scoring position. Um, you know, maybe... I find it so hard to pick against this team in the World Series. Uh, like, in the World Series. I just... Top to bottom, they're so strong. And I can see them maybe losing like an NLCS to the Mets should, you know, to Grom and Scherzer match up well with the Dodgers. But after seeing them just, you know, dismantle a, a guy that's been pretty unstoppable the whole year, um, I think it 
it definitely means something. And I know that all good pitchers have bad outings, but this just seems like the Dodgers came in there and they knew exactly what they had to do. No, I'm going to pump the brakes here because, you know. Of course. What? Because you're a Dodgers hater and a Mets lover. <laughs> I, no, this isn't it. I would say it on anything here, I, I genuinely think, because there's a big difference between a team knowing what to do and getting after a guy and a pitcher of Alcantara's caliber getting blown up for six runs and 10 hits. Like, those are obscene numbers. Like, to have the six runs come off of only one home run, that's not normal. Like, that's not a that's not a normal we-have-this-guy's-number type performance. This is a absolute collapse by uh, Alcantara. Like, I think I think this is more on Alcantara, not ha- not being there, whether it's mentally being checked out the day, or just you know not physically being there, whether it was fatigue, tired, something else going on in his life, I don't know. There was a disconnect on his end, I think, more than that accounted for the majority of that. Like that type of thrashing doesn't normally happen this way. Um, Oakland, I believe, took two out of three from Seattle, right? Yeah, two yep. out of three. Um, Seattle certainly, I mean, the AL wildcard race is really tight, they can't be affording to be dropping a series like this. No, this is again. It's silly stuff, but again, it's a it's a very young team, and you gotta kind of be realistic with that. Luis Castillo, of course, is the one who doesn't show up today, but um, who is your veteran, right? Like that's the guy that you would expect to to be to be I, good. I'm gonna feel bad. I'm gonna feel. I will feel guilty this postseason. Just watch. Because I'm going to have such a hard time not feeling vindicated when Luis Castillo gets his butt handed to him in the playoffs by someone. I don't care who it is. I just know it is going to definitively happen. I'm happy that it won't be in a Yankee uniform. Like, it's definitively going to happen. I've been saying this since he became the fancy shiny new toy that everyone was after for six months. This guy, he's not he's not as good as his numbers. I, I have not I have never watched him and been all of that, all that impressed. This guy's got no postseason history. And that's why this is such a it's such a big risk for the Mariners to put so much hopes and certainly veteran leadership into this guy. But back to the point, this is a young team. They're going to drop series like this, and then they're also going to go ahead and win probably another eight straight somewhere along the line before the end of the season. That's just kind of the way this team's going to, going to go. But you're still going to feel comfortable with them because they're generally convincing even in the losses. Like nine hits in a loss, that's not going to be something that you're necessarily – you're not concerned about many pieces of this loss, are you? 
No, it's just it's just that Oakland is the worst team. It's just tough league. to have the loss. The second or no, probably second worst team in the league. I always forget about the Nationals. So. But I mean, now you have a three-way tie for the three wild card spots in the AL. Um, you know, I think that seating matters a lot more this year for the wild card, especially because all three games are in the or in the one city in that if you're on the road, you could be on the road for all three games. I, I just feel like it matters a little more. And that's definitely something that you're going to want to be looking out for is, you know, how the seating is going to work out for those top three wildcard spots. Um, yeah. Because I think- remember that third division winner, the third best division winner out of each league plays the top wild card yeah or, or no bottom wild card yes no, no, top no. Up. i don't even know how how, how it works anyway but, but the point of that is the other thing you want to consider there is really more what i was saying excuse me um you also have to look at the matchups with this too it's not just about home field advantage and what you're winning if you're the mariners you know, I don't know how many times you have to see it to believe it, but you're not going to match up well against Houston. If the Mar- the Mariners aren't winning against one of these top seeds unless they get hot, but if I'm the Mariners, I'd much rather take my chances against Tampa, whether it was home or away, than I would have to play. Like, again, it's all about, it's all about the bracket stuff too. I think, you know, when it's such – such a blatant mismatch there for them. Like I would do anything in my power to stay on the opposite side of the bracket of Houston. Which is why the Yankees have done a fantastic job in getting the two seed. Yes. Because their first round matchup is significantly easier. But LJ, I think that we are out of time for today. Yes. Thank you for listening. Check us out on all the socials at MLB Daily Pod. And we'll see ya. See ya manana.